Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering the case of Roxanne Houston and Taos, New Mexico. Let's get right to it. Taos, New Mexico is located about 60 miles south of the Colorado border. It's described as magical with breathtaking views of the Southern Rockies. According to Taos.org, it's one of America's oldest art colonies and home to Taos Ski Valley, a world-class ski resort. Tourists flock to the area to experience the natural beauty of northern New Mexico, the Rio Grande Gorge, the music scene, fine arts, exquisite food, and deep spiritual traditions. In every direction you look, there's another majestic view. It's a place that if it's not already on your bucket list of locations to visit, you might just want to jot it down. With all its beauty and rich culture, there's something you won't exactly find displayed on the list of things to do when you visit a place the locals know all about and mostly avoid, and a place you might pass right on by and never even know it exists, a place known as Two Peaks. It's hard to find on a map, and there are no local shops or restaurants in Two Peaks. There are no addresses, no county roads. Instead, residents of Two Peaks Mesa live off the grid, in caravans, old converted buses, and shanty shacks. It's like entering another world, and in a lot of ways, it is. Police don't even patrol, and it's more reminiscent of the wild, wild west than a modern New Mexico town. But that's exactly the way the people who live there want it. There's an episode of Unplanned America, Season 1, Episode 1, where Gonzo, Nick, and Parv travel to Two Peaks and get a rare inside look at the culture and people of the community. They met with a man named Pastor Dave, who left his life in Ohio to help the people of the Mesa. Pastor Dave talked about the people of Two Peaks, describing many of them as social misfits, going on to say, Most of them have psychological issues of one kind or another. A lot of them are veterans with PTSD. Some are hiding from arrest warrants in other states, and the majority of them just want to be left alone. Also stating that the majority rules out here, if the mob decides you're leaving, then you're leaving, and it's better that you leave rather than end up as coyote food. 
According to Dave, things are dealt with Mesa style, which, as you can imagine, doesn't involve calling the police. Two Peaks has been nicknamed by some as the largest open-air insane asylum in the United States. And sure, there are some less than conventional beliefs floating around, like discussions about white wavelength, air tubes that will take you to another dimension, and spaceships, just to name a few. But for many, Two Peaks is a place of solitude, away from the pressures of modern life, a place where people come to find love and guidance and escape abusive homes, substance abuse, and homelessness. Helping others seems to be a common theme. Another resident who goes by Sunshine, who we'll be hearing a lot about in just a few minutes, appeared on Murder in the Heartland, Season 1, Episode 5, detailing this case and describing the community as a family where everyone helps one another, stating the people of Two Peaks are simply the forgotten people, the fringes of society, the loners, outcasts, and a community of hermits. And while they may describe themselves as hermits and outcasts, it appears that smaller groups form into a family-like atmosphere, each contributing their own part. It's different and unique, but for some of the residents, each other is all that they have. Well, each other and the vast wilderness and the grit to survive the harsh summers and winters without being on the power grid. It's a rough life, but one surrounded with the beauty and tranquility that comes with the southern Rockies and fresh mountain air. The kind of natural beauty that draws hikers to the area to catch a glimpse of the two mountain peaks Two Peaks is named for. Hikers like Elizabeth and Robert, who set out for a hike near Carson, which is just across the Rio Grande, nearly due west from the city of Taos. It was Christmas Day, 2014. They set out in the afternoon, an afternoon that couldn't have been more perfect. Snow still covered the ground, but it was sunny. They brought their dogs along to walk and enjoy the sunshine. It would turn out to be a hike they would never forget for all the wrong reasons. According to that episode of Murder in the Heartland, not too far into their Christmas Day hike, Elizabeth and Robert's dogs began digging at a hole in the ground. At first, the couple likely thought nothing of it. However, when they walked over to take a look, they noticed a large bone just a couple inches down in the dirt. Still, nothing too alarming since this is the New Mexico wilderness. There's coyotes, mountain lions, and bears out there. But Robert pulled on a glove and began uncovering the bone gently, just to double check. As Robert was digging, one of the dogs began rolling on something. Already sensing that something bad could have happened here, they went to see what had caught the interest of the dog. And there it was, a partially charred tan bra. It was then that they realized that their instincts were right. Something really bad had happened. Cell phone service can be spotty way out in the desert so they headed straight home to notify officials. And after a phone call to police, they escorted them out to the scene to show them exactly where and what the dogs had found. After investigators arrived on scene, it didn't take long before they knew these were human remains. 
but the excavation of these remains would have to be planned carefully for several reasons. One was the condition of the remains. They were mostly skeletonized. They didn't want to lose evidence that may have been buried with the body, and they needed to expand their search to the surrounding area to make sure they hadn't missed anything. And two, some of the people in that area of the Mesa, as we talked about earlier, really aren't too fond of the government or law enforcement officials. That coupled with the fact that police radio service doesn't work way out there could make the officers easy targets. You can see for miles in any given direction. If someone wanted to do the police harm, they'd have plenty of opportunity. So they roped off the area and began planning an excavation. According to Detective Salazar, as he spoke to Murder in the Heartland, search areas were gridded out. The makeshift gravesite was sectioned off, and police snipers were strategically placed to cover the investigators as they processed the scene. On December 28, 2014, everything was finally in place and they began. They weren't sure who this victim was or how long this body had been buried, but their first clue came as they began digging and uncovered a pair of boots that were of a more recent style that they believed this wasn't some ancient Indian burial ground or old unmarked grave, but instead it was likely this person was a victim of a homicide and the bra found nearby was tied to the crime in some way. Investigators collected everything they could, even sifting through the dirt with a fine-tooth comb, looking for any evidence that could identify who this person was and exactly what had happened. The remains were then sent to the medical examiner's office in Albuquerque for autopsy. According to the autopsy report, the remains had likely been buried there in the desert for at least six months. And this was definitely a homicide. The victim had suffered a single gunshot wound to the head, a partial bullet found in the skull, and both of the victim's hands had been cut off. And the victim? Due to the level of decomposition, all they knew for sure was that she was an African-American female, approximately 5 foot 4, and between 120 and 140 pounds. Officials didn't release much information to the public. They kept all the details close to the vest. And holy shit was that the right decision. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Behind the scenes, detectives looked through the most recent missing persons reports, and there was one that caught their eye. The report was made in June of 2014, a little over six months prior to the body being discovered. The missing person was a female in her early 30s who had been living in the Two Peaks area. They located the missing woman's parents, who lived up in Colorado, and learned that their daughter had moved to the Two Peaks area from their home in Colorado and that they hadn't heard from her in some time. Things were lining up, so they asked the parents for dental records or something to compare their Jane Doe to this missing woman. And bingo, the parents told investigators that their daughter had been in a car accident when she was younger and a CT scan had been done to check for any brain injuries. And... They still had the scan. They sent it off immediately for a comparison. 
raise your hand if you didn't know CT scans have been used to identify victims. Let the record reflect my hand is raised high. On January 20th, 2015, just 26 days after the remains had been found, a positive identification was made. The victim was their daughter, 33-year-old Roxanne Houston, also known as Roxy. But who would want to hurt her? According to family and friends, Roxy was a free spirit who loved everyone and helped others every chance she got. Her friend Sunshine recalled to murder in the heartland her first memory of Roxy. It was winter and it was so cold that Sunshine could barely speak. Roxy brought her near a fire and made her a cup of hot tea. She took Sunshine's shoes off and held her feet in her hands until they were warm, all while talking with her and reassuring her that everything would be okay. Another friend and longtime resident of Two Peaks, Stan, described Roxy as an all-around good girl who cared about everybody. Roxy cared for Stan because he was disabled. She'd come over and cook, clean, and make sure he had his meds. She fully embraced the help-each-other spirit of those living in Unit 1 of Two Peaks. She was kind, gentle, and always willing to help. In order to figure out who had harmed her, detectives needed to know how she'd ended up in Two Peaks and who she knew in the local area so they started asking questions. They soon learned that Roxy had traveled down to Taos with her boyfriend at the time, a man named Vernon. The pair had settled down in a bus that belonged to another man named Johnny. Johnny had built additions onto the bus and converted it into a living space. We've all heard that three's a crowd, and in this case, it seemed that it was. At some point, Roxy had ended her relationship with Vernon and began a new one with Johnny. Vernon had been asked to leave the property, and he was pretty pissed. But it wasn't just Roxanne and Johnny who wanted him to leave. Remember that whole thing about majority rules and doing things Mesa style? Well, just prior to Roxy's disappearance, much like an episode of Survivor, minus the fancy torches, dramatic music, and Jeff Probst, the tribe did speak and Vernon was voted off the island, I mean compound. According to Sunshine, not only was he causing friction between Johnny and Roxy, but multiple people in the community had accused him of stealing, and they wanted him out. With nowhere to go, Vernon ended up homeless on the streets of Taos. But even with Vernon off the property and seemingly out of the picture, a rift between Johnny and Roxy still existed because Roxy still cared about Vernon. Not in a romantic way, but Roxy cared about everyone. When she would go to Taos, she would be sure to check up on him. This, of course, angered Johnny. By this point, fingers were pointing in all directions. Had Johnny hurt Roxy in a jealous rage? Was Vernon angry at Roxy because of the way things had ended? And besides, it was Johnny who had initially reported Roxanne Houston missing. Police wanted to talk to both men, and they would soon get their chance. 
investigators located Roxy's boyfriend, Johnny, right there on the property that he previously shared with her. Keep in mind that officials had informed no one that the body found had been positively identified as Roxanne Houston. However, three days after that identification, on January 23, 2015, they went out to talk to Johnny about the missing persons report he had filed in early June of 2014. Johnny was asked to describe the last time he saw Roxanne. According to a search warrant affidavit, he recalled the following. The last time he had seen Roxanne was on June the 12th, 2014. He and Roxy had gotten into a pretty heated argument over Vernon. Johnny claimed he left his property to cool off and headed to go camping at Trace Piedres, also known as Three Peaks, for about two days. When he got back, Roxanne was gone, and he had figured she had just broken up with him and left, so he wasn't concerned at first. However, there were a few things that, as he thought about it, worried him and eventually caused him to file that missing persons report. For starters, Roxanne had a dog that she took everywhere with her. They were inseparable, but Roxanne was gone and her dog had been left behind. That just didn't seem like Roxy. If she had simply broken up with him and left, she would have taken her dog with her. Johnny went on to talk about Roxy's relationship with Vernon, and although he might have been angry about the fact that Roxanne maintained a relationship with him, he didn't believe Vernon would want to hurt her. But there was someone he had suspicions about, another man named Ivan Kales. As it turned out, Johnny claimed he wasn't the last person to see Roxy. In fact, one of the last people he knew that had seen her was Ivan, who at the time lived in a tent there on his property. And further, he and Roxanne weren't exactly BFFs, and they had had previous altercations. Johnny told investigators that Ivan was mean to Roxy when he wasn't around, and that the story Ivan had told him about the last time he claimed to have seen Roxy was enough to raise an eyebrow or ten. According to Johnny, Ivan had told him that he had also had an altercation with Roxy the day she disappeared. Ivan claimed to Johnny that he had called Roxy on some, quote, lies, and they had gotten into an argument and Roxanne had simply left. He didn't know where she was or what had happened. Detective Salazar asked Johnny if he knew if Ivan owned any firearms. And Johnny informed him that Ivan did in fact own a pistol, but not just any run-of-the-mill pistol. It was a very unique Czechoslovakian handgun. It was enough for the detective's ears to perk up, because he knew something that no one else did. Well, besides the killer. The bullet that had been recovered from Roxanne's body was also unique. It was a 762 by 25 caliber round. A round that, according to SG Ammo, is available for purchase in the USA, but mostly manufactured in Serbia, Romania, and wait for it, the Czech Republic. Johnny went on to tell the officers in a subsequent interview 
that Ivan was shooting the gun on the property the days following Roxanne's disappearance, and Ivan had even offered to let him fire a few rounds. As if that weren't shocking enough, Johnny also told investigators that Ivan had signed over a white 1992 Jeep Grand Cherokee, one that Johnny claimed Ivan told him he had recently taken four-wheeling in an area Johnny referred to as a pataka, an area that investigators were quite familiar with, as it was another name for the place Roxanne's body had been found. And there was something else about that Jeep. You see, according to an arrest affidavit, Johnny told Detective Salazar that Ivan had borrowed some organic degreaser from him to clean the inside of the Jeep due to an awful smell. The unique gun, the Jeep, the degreaser, the location of the body? Again, none of these details had ever been released, but every word out of Johnny's mouth coincided with evidence that only police and the killer would know. The hairs on their necks had to be standing on end, but they played it cool. Was Johnny telling the truth and unknowingly giving away details of the crime? Or did he know exactly what he was doing and was this an attempt to frame Ivan? A search warrant was quickly obtained for the white Jeep, which previously belonged to Ivan, but had been signed over to Johnny. A couple of items of interest were seized including a pair of orange women's pants with a suspected bloodstain located on the passenger side floorboard and a pair of dark leather women's style shorts also with suspected bloodstains. Blue Star was applied to the inside of the vehicle and the presence of blood was indicated on the bottom of the rear bench seat and inside the left rear passenger door. As you can imagine, investigators wanted to talk to this Ivan guy and get his side of the story, and they still needed to talk to Vernon. Vernon was located back in Colorado. He had been picked up on a misdemeanor trespass warrant. Investigators traveled to Colorado Springs for a chat. Vernon recalled that he had last talked with Roxy back in June after she had that altercation with Johnny and the two had made plans to head back to Colorado together that following day. Only when the next day came, Roxy didn't show up. He figured she had changed her mind and patched things up with Johnny. Investigators then informed Vernon that Roxy had been found deceased, and he broke out in tears and sobbed. When asked if he knew who could have hurt her, he said he didn't believe it would have been Johnny but went on to say that this guy named Ivan. Now, Ivan was a strange guy who had a handgun. Just so we're clear, we're two for two on witnesses who recalled that Ivan possessed a handgun. And we're about to make it three, because Roxanne's friend Sunshine was also interviewed by police. According to the search warrant, Sunshine told police she had last spoken with Roxanne on the evening of June 14th. She saw her walking away from Johnny's home and stopped to talk to her. Sunshine noticed that Roxanne had a purple backpack with her, and when she asked her where she was headed, 
Roxanne told her that she was heading into town to take care of Vernon and that she had to get away from Ivan because they had had a blow up and Johnny was gone to Three Peaks for a few days. According to Sunshine, as she spoke to Murder in the Heartland, she and Roxanne talked there in the road for about an hour to an hour and a half. Roxy confided in Sunshine that she was afraid to go back home and that the next afternoon, she was leaving with Vernon to go back to Colorado. Sunshine's story seemed to corroborate Vernon's, and police were becoming more and more convinced that Vernon likely had nothing at all to do with harming Roxy. Investigators had just one more question for Sunshine. Had she ever seen Ivan with a gun? And tic-tac-toe three in a row, Sunshine recalled that after Roxy disappeared, Ivan had left Johnny's and gone to stay in another one of her friend's house. One day, she'd gone to visit her friend and witnessed Ivan taking apart and cleaning a gun. Her friend had also mentioned to her that Ivan had been shooting targets on her property with the same pistol she had witnessed him cleaning. As it turned out, a bolo had already been issued for a very distinctive vehicle Ivan was known to be traveling in with a friend. It was a truck that had a homemade camper on top that looked like a VW Bug. And hot damn, it didn't take long before the vehicle was located. According to the arrest warrant, it was found on February 4, 2015 in the city of Taos. The vehicle was stopped and lo and behold, Ivan Kales was riding shotgun. Detective Salazar responded to the scene and asked Ivan if he would come back to the Taos County Sheriff's Office for an interview. Salazar explained that he was looking into the disappearance of Roxanne Houston. By this time, the Sheriff's Office had released to the media that they had positively identified Roxanne. So Salazar asked Ivan if he knew what was going on, and he said that all he knew was that Johnny had reported Roxy missing. He agreed to go down to the station for an interview. Down at the station, investigators decided not to tell Ivan right away that Roxanne had been identified, and instead just simply asked for Ivan's version of what happened the last time he saw Roxy. Ivan recounted that Johnny and Roxy were having what he described as relationship issues and Johnny had taken off to Three Peaks. After Johnny left, he remained on the property with Roxy, and according to Ivan, she was telling lies, and he told her to stop. Roxanne then walked away and went into the bus. Ivan told investigators that he didn't want any further conflict, so he gathered some of his things and headed out to go camping in Three Peaks as well. He returned a couple of days later, and Roxanne was gone. Later on the day he returned, Johnny came back too. And then came the million-dollar question. The question everyone involved in this investigation had been asked. Salazar asked Ivan if he owned any firearms, and he stated that he did not. And he most certainly didn't own a Czechoslovakian handgun. When asked why Johnny and Vernon would say that he owned a firearm, Ivan claimed that he was being set up. Was he? 
What Ivan Kales disclosed next to investigators was jaw-dropping, but it will have to wait until next week because unfortunately, we're running out of time and things are just heating up. But I will leave you with just one more thing. There was something Roxy herself had mentioned to her friend Sunshine that Sunshine recalled on Murder in the Heartland. Roxanne had told her that if she was ever found dead, it would be because of her beliefs. What did Roxy mean by that? Join me next week for the conclusion of this case. Believe me, you don't want to miss it. Before we go, I'd like to give a huge shout out to Wheeler Cowperthwaite at New Mexico Homicide for his help on this case. You can find Wheeler over at nmhomicide.com, where he covers little-known homicides in the state of New Mexico. His case write-ups are incredible, and he doesn't spare a single detail. He also covers in-custody and jail deaths, which happen more frequently than any of us would like to believe. You can find him on Twitter at Wheeler Reporter or at NM Homicides. I'll be sure to link all of his information in the show notes. Thanks again, Wheeler. As always, you can find more information on this case or any of the others I've covered on my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.